Proverbs chapter number 10 tonight. Uh, verse number one, we'll read this verse and then I'll give you what the Lord uh, put on my heart for tonight. And uh, we'll deal with half the chapter tonight, half the chapter uh, next week, just not in the way you're probably gonna think we are. But look at verse number one. The Bible says, the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. A wise son it makes it the glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for tonight. Lord, we thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for the wonderful song service. Lord, what if you do come back tonight? Lord, have we done what you told us to do today, uh, God, with the time that you've given us? And I pray, Lord, tonight with our thankful, Lord, that we don't always feel like you're near, don't always feel like you're working, but Lord, Better than our feelings is our faith that is based upon facts that are found in the word of God. Uh, Lord, you've promised that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Romans 8, 28 is still in my Bible. It's still true. Uh, Lord, I know that the thoughts that you have towards me, uh, I ask you, Lord, tonight that you'd have it behind the cross of Calvary. God, would you out of myself, filled with your spirit. And I pray, Lord, as we get into the word of God tonight, Lord, would you take your word and, Lord, just drill it deep into our hearts tonight, Lord, the importance of wisdom and God, what's, what it looks like and the product of it in our lives. And we ask you tonight that you help us one more time. Lord, we'll give you the glory. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Chapter 10, verse number one, uh, gives us the goal or the purpose of the next, uh, I mean, at least 10 chapters of Proverbs, if not more than that. And it is to produce a wise son or to produce a, a child of wisdom or a wise Christian. You could say it that way, right? It says right there, a wise person and, and applied wisdom produces gladness. We see it right there, a wise son maketh a glad father, right? When you and I operate in the wisdom that God gives us, it makes him glad. It pleases him, right? We are operating in what he wants us to operate with. But notice what the Bible says, one who, who ought to have wisdom and ought to pursue wisdom when we choose not to, it brings shame, right? The Bible says that a foolish son is heaviness of his mother produces shame. And now it's interesting here that we have a father and a mother and by no means am I trying to call God a mother, but we see here there's a good practical reality here that when you and I choose not to operate and live in the wisdom that God gives us, right, or if we choose to do so, we see what it produces, right? A father will always brag on their child when they do right. You get enough fathers around and all of a sudden it becomes a competition about who has the greatest son, who has the greatest child. Well, my, my son, he, he took first place in the baseball league this year. Well, my son can throw 98 miles an hour. Well, my son, right, it becomes, they, they brag. Anytime a son or a child does something well, something in me as a father, right, it, 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 it excites me. It brings gladness into my life. Right, it makes me it makes me grateful for my children. But notice when we choose to take what we know is right and choose not to follow it, the Bible says it produces what heaviness uh, in, in the mother. Right, the mother is brought to a place of heaviness and begins to ask questions like this: Where did I go wrong? Where did I mess up? Right, what 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 could I have done better for them? A father, when a, when a child begins to act foolish, it's not that we don't love them, but a lot of times our response is, well, I taught them better. They're just choosing to be foolish with what I've taught them. 
They're gonna have to make their own mistakes. They're gonna have to figure it out on their own. They're gonna have to let their hard-headed self figure it out. Right, as a father, that's how we tend to, tend to see it. It's not that we don't love them. It's just, well, we've taught them better. They're just not choosing. Whereas the, the mother is, where did I mess up? Where did I go wrong? And it produces, here's, here's something we can take away from this tonight is that when you and I act foolishly, it'll always bring uncertainty and doubt into somebody's life that doesn't deserve it. Right? Who, who, in essence, it'll cause those that love us a great deal of unnecessary doubt and discouragement. But we see here in Proverbs chapter number 10, there is a, there's a state, statement here. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, right? The previous chapters, verse chapter one through nine, we've been looking at wisdom. Wisdom has been portrayed to us as a woman. Wisdom has been portrayed to us as, as different things throughout the, the first 10 verses. And we, we see it in personification. We see it in metaphor. We see it in all these different ways. And so we have a great understanding of what wisdom is, why it's important, where it comes from. And now as we get into chapter number 10, there's a transition here, right? It becomes these proverbial statements or proverbs of Solomon, these wise statements, right? Short phrases that you and I, when we apply in our life, it produces, it makes us a wise son or a wise uh, child of God, right? So we look at this and we see it really in chapter 10, we see it in two ways. We see wisdom in our walk and then we see wisdom in our words. Here on out, Proverbs is a hard book to preach out of, not because necessarily the subject material is beyond our understanding, but if you preach expository and you go line upon line, verse upon verse, there's one subject in one verse and there's another subject in the next verse and then the next verse is a different subject or it goes back to the first subject. And it's back and forth, back and forth. And so tonight we're gonna look at what does it mean to have wisdom in our walk and we'll cover uh, at least half the chapter tonight but it won't be verse one, two, three. It'll be a few verses here, a few verses there and we'll work our way through the chapter tonight. And next week we'll look on what does it mean to be wise with our words. I believe every Christian can apply their uh, apply wisdom to their walk by looking at the following verses in Proverbs chapter number 10. The first group of verses is verses two through five. So I don't have fancy points. Not point number one is verses two through five. Right? You can write it down that way. We see in verse number two, it says, the treasures of the wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. The Lord shall not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. He becometh poor that dealeth a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent make rich. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harveth, harvest is a son that causeth shame. Right, so we see it here again and again uh, how it talks about wisdom in our walk, verses two through five. It shows us that a wise per- person thinks about profit. We're not talking about red numbers and, and black numbers. We're not talking about, uh, in essence, a, 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 a spreadsheet or anything like that. But they think about a wise person steps back and says, all right, is this going to profit me? Or is this going to bring something good into my life or produce something in my life that I know needs to be in my life? It's not how much money I can make, but how is this going to benefit me. Verse number two, treasures of a wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. And that says, I want something that is going to help me. And the Bible says, righteousness delivereth from death. And that's not, when, when you and I really think about it, we have something that is great and wonderful. We have the very, the only thing that'll deliver us from death. Right, it is the gift of God. It is salvation tonight. And we ought to say, you know what? That's enough in of itself to pursue for the rest of my life. 
than to even give a second thought to the treasures of the wicked because they don't profit anything. There is no profit to them. Can you imagine if I was running a business and I came to you and I said, hey, listen, I want to hire you and I want you to work for me and I want you to work long hours for me and I want you to do this and I'm not going to pay you any kind of money. You'd say, hold on a second, preacher. There's no, there's no profit in it for me. And the reality is when you and I begin to go back towards the world and go back to the things that we know are wrong, we're going back to something we know doesn't profit us. But a wise man thinks about profit. A wise person operates on promises. Verse number three, the Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casts away the substance of the wicked. It's, it's far safer to rely on God's heavenly supply in our life than it is to sell out for some worldly substance. Right, when we think about it, a preacher, I'll never sell out. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never get away from the Lord. That's the same thing Peter said. Right, in essence, we, we, we like to think sometimes we're strong and we're mighty by ourselves, but if it had not been for the grace of God in God's mercy tonight, we, we, we would be absolutely nothing this evening. And so we realize that a wise man operates on the promises of God. I, I don't want to sell out for money. I don't want to sell out for popularity. I don't want to sell out for none of those things. I want to pursue what God has for my life. I want to learn to operate and live on the promises of God. A wise person operates on promises I'd rather miss out on the fancy but never become famished, right? Instead of having everything fancy and then losing it all. Can I say Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, they'll eat at restaurants that I've never, I'll never eat at. They'll drive cars that I'll never drive. They'll live in houses that I'll never live in, right? And they'll, they'll have all these things that I'll never have. But the moment they take their last breath, it's all gone. Whereas... As a Christian, I'll go to heaven saying he's supplied every need. He's been faithful to me. He's kept his promise. A wise person operates on promises. A wise person will be prudent, verses four and five. That word prudent means one who looks towards the future with thought and care. In essence, they set a goal and then they say, all right, how are we going to achieve that goal? And can I say, setting goals are a wonderful thing to do in life. To set personal goals, spiritual goals, family goals. You set goals. If you're going to set a goal, then you got to get a plan of action. Right? It's one thing to say, I'm going to do this. How are you going to do it? Oh, I have no idea. Then you're probably not going to do it. Right? A prudent means to look towards the future. How do I become a successful person? How do I become rich? Well, that's what the Bible says right here. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Oh, preacher, you're talking about health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. No, what I'm saying is the Bible says that there is a, a means to growth. There's a means to uh, a gain, and it is, it, it, is, it is consistent effort. It is, in essence, it is being diligent in the things that God has called us to be diligent. Preacher, how do I become successful in the Christian life? You ready for it? Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Be disciplined, right? Be disciplined. Don't lay out when it's time to work. Don't wait, lay out when it's time to show up. Don't lay out when it's time for, for Bible study, when it's time for church, when it's time for prayer meeting, when it's time for, for, for bi reading your Bible, when it's time for fellowshipping with God. People, don't lay out. Be diligent in it. Be disciplined. I remember working at Sonic and there was a, a guy that always complained about never having enough money on his check. I don't get enough money. I need more hours. 
So they put him on the opening schedule with me. At the time, I was one of the few people that gave him probably the most hours at Sonic because I was working the shift that nobody wanted to work. And so they put him, put him on my shift, and he was, boy, I'm fixing to make all this money. Like four days in a row, he showed up an hour and a half late. Right? And then he got his paycheck, and he said, I still don't have enough money. And I finally said, listen, if you came to work on time, you would. Oh, no, that's not the problem. That is the problem. <laughs> they gave you more hours. You just didn't work them. When we think about it spiritually, think about it in a spiritual sense. Now, why, why don't we see more people saved? Why don't we see the Lord working in, in, in a greater fashion with his reaching the lost? Like we've come to believe the lie that the day that we live in, we know the Bible says that the gospel has power, but do we actually live that way? And we say, well, preacher, the lost world, they're just blind and they're as cold as they've ever been. Can I say, I have a hard time going anywhere back and finding out where the lost world wasn't blind and the lost world wasn't cold to God, didn't care about the things of God. There's nothing new tonight. We're living in the, the, same, it's the same scenario that they were living in in Bible days, in the days of Acts, and days of great revivals. I think one of the greatest problems in, in the modern Christian life is that we've grown accustomed to, to the need of rest instead of the need of reaping. Or I've got to make sure I get my rest. I've got, got to be present in my time to rest in the Lord. And there's times and seasons of life where I get that tonight. But last time I checked, we're still in the season of reaping. It's still harvest time. We are still preach and share the gospel with a lost and dying world and, and we want to be successful. We want God to work and God to move. Then we've got to be faithful to the place God has put us in the work that he's put us in tonight. Verses two through five tells some things about a wise person. Let me ask you, are you allowing the end of the, the road, so to speak, or the, 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 the future of the expectation, are you allowing that to motivate you to do the right thing during the process? Right, we, we talk about the ends justify the means. The reality is the end of standing before, I, I don't know about you tonight, but I want to hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But in order to hear that, you have to be faithful. <laughs> you have to do what he's told you to. Listen, we grow up in a generation where if you take 27th place, they give you a trophy. You're pretty much first place. You're just 26 spots away from it. Can I say the Lord ain't gonna lie to us? Right, when we get there, if we haven't been faithful, the Bible talks about some going to heaven so as by fire. Right, well, to hear those words have to be desiring to be faithful tonight. A wise man or a wise person thinks about this. So we see number one tonight, number one, verses two through five. Then number two tonight, go down to verses seven through 10. We'll talk some more about a wise person and their actions. A wise person wants to leave behind a good testimony or a good memory. Look at verse number seven. The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. The wise in heart shall receive commandments, but a prating fool shall fall. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely, but he that perverteth his way shall be known. He that winketh with an eye causeth sorrow, but a prating fool shall fall. <laughs> everybody wants to leave behind a good testimony. No one wants to leave behind a bad one that everybody wants to forget but can't. Right there, I guess it was a few years ago. I don't know exactly when it was now. But I got a call from the funeral home uh, and they asked me to come preach a, a funeral. And I asked them what time it was to so make sure I, I could be there. Nothing else was on the schedule. 
and all that worked out. And I said, I'll, I'll gladly come and preach the funeral. And the lady on the other end working for the funeral home, she said, now, 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 Pastor Wagner, I do have to tell you a few things about this family. Anytime they tell you something like that, you know, you're fixing to walk into a situation. The lady said, Mr. Pastor Wagner, uh, the lady that you'll be conducting the service for, uh, she passed away in the federal penitentiary system. I said, okay. She said she was found guilty on embezzlement of hundreds of thousands of dollars from the company she was working for. And the reason she told the judge why she did it was she was doing it for her kids. And she said her kids are still mad at her over that. They want to know why their mom would do something so crazy and then try to use them as a means of justification. She said, I just want you to know that before you preach the funeral. Thank you. I have no idea what to do with that. Lord, <laughs> this ain't going to be the average funeral. But I remember preaching and I can't exactly remember what the Lord gave me to preach at the funeral but it was something along the lines of learning to forgive, learning to move on, learning, learning to, and, and trusting the Lord to help you through those situations. And one of her children came up to me afterwards and said, that's exactly what I needed to hear. I mean, I wasn't gonna walk with her like me and her best friends like I knew her my whole life. That's something I'm not going to do. Right? I'm not gonna pretend that I, I knew somebody that I did not know. But the little I knew about their story, my heart was to help them. So let me ask you now, do you wanna leave behind a good testament? Of course I do, a wise man does. A wise person wants to, well, how do we do that, preacher? Well, you receive instructions, verse number eight. Talks about receiving instructions. It says the wise in heart will receive commandments, will receive instruction, direction. Here's the thing, last time I checked, I don't know how to live the Christian life by ourselves. It's not our ability, it's not our ingenuity that gets the job done, but God does know how to live the Christian life. Right, he's willing to teach us. Are we listening to his instructions? His way is always right and balanced. I've been told many a times that you cannot have a successful ministry and a successful family. Or you can't have a good ministry and a good family. You have to sell out to one or the other. Can I say, I don't think that's God's plan. I don't think that's God's desire. I don't think I have to sacrifice my family to have a good ministry, nor do I have to sacrifice the ministry to have a good family. What I need is wisdom. What I need is wisdom, and I need to receive instructions. When the Lord begins, hey, don't do that. Spend time with your family today. Or says, hey, go do that and take care of that and then come back home to your family. Need to receive instruction. Verse number nine tells us, how do we have a good testament? We need to remain in step. Look at verse number nine. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely, but he that perverteth his ways shall be known. In essence, they both can be seen and they both will be found out. But here's the thing, when you're walking uprightly and justly, you're not afraid if anybody finds out. Did you hear about Pastor Wagner? He's honest. He's sincere. <laughs> He's loving. He's caring. Can I say, do you think I'd be bothered if people found that out about me? No. But notice here the Bible does say tonight, either way is going to be found out, but when you walk uprightly, you can walk surely. In essence, you walk with confidence. You walk with, with, with you know, there's no, you're not tripping over everything. You're not trying to hide your steps from the people behind you. You remain in step with God. In essence, you can't stray off without it becoming noticeable. 
right? Because your ways shall be known. The wise person knows where they are walking. The steps of a good man are still ordered by the Lord. Sometimes you got to learn to stand still and say, all right, Lord, I'm not moving until you tell me to. Lord, I'm not taking the next step until you give me clear direction because I want to remain in step with you. A good testimony receives instruction remains in step. A good testimony rejects entitlement. Look at verse number 10. He that winketh with the eye causes sorrow. I know I preached that one message out of Proverbs a while back about the winking person. And I still say I don't, still don't have a high opinion of them. But verse number 10 says reject entitlement. Nowhere in the Bible are we given the instruction to go ahead, the all right, the green light, to, to let a little sin in our life because, uh, because we've earned it or we're, we're good enough or we, we can handle it, right? Jesus, last time I said, Jesus, check, Jesus still said a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It doesn't take a whole lot to mess your life up. It doesn't take a whole lot to, to, to get things out of whack. And here it is. Uh, the, you're going to go out and you're going to say, I've got this. I'm okay. And, and, and the Holy Ghost is going to say, no, you're not. And you're going to have to make the choice. Am I going to listen to him? Or am I just going to wink at him? What do you mean by that, preacher? My, uh, my grandparents are the typical grandparents. Fairy tale grandparents. In essence, when we showed up, there were no rules. I mean, there were rules, but there was none really enforced. No bedtime, no proper diet, uh, no homework. It was, what kind of soda do you want? We'll go and get it. What kind of cereal do you want? We'll go and get it. What do you want to eat? I can still hear my grandma in the kitchen. What you want for dinner tonight, tater bug? Whatever you're cooking, Grandma. Grandma could cook until she started eating healthy. <laughs> but I remember there was times where, where <laughs> I'd ask my mom, Mom, can I have this? Mom, can I do that? No, you cannot. Grandpa, can I have this? Can I do that? And he'd just wink at me. I got you, son. I got you, boy. And can I say what's dangerous is in our Christian life when we take that same mentality. We know we're not supposed to. Right? But we wink at it. It's okay. It's no big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big problem. Because one of those little winks can lead to a ruined testimony. Are you willing to put the effectiveness of your testimony on the line just for a little pleasure from sin? So we see a wise man wants to leave a good testimony. A wise man thinks about the future. Number three, verses 15 through 17 to nine. The rich man's wealth is a strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. The labor of the righteous tendeth to life. The fruit of the wicked to sin. He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction. But he that refuseth reproof erreth. A wise man's wealth is measured by what is produced in their life. Or a wise person. I want to act like I'm singling your ladies out. We're all in this together, amen. A wise person's wealth is measured by what is produced in their life. A poor, person, poor, excuse me, a poor person is known by what they don't have. Right, here's the thing, a poor person will always tell you what they don't have. Right, they'll remind you of it. Right here, but here's the thing, Christians are the only people who possess the greatest gift ever known to man, but we choose to live so poorly sometimes. We have all power in heaven and earth at our disposal. Christ dwells inside of us live like we don't have anything. A wise man 
his, his wealth is measured by what is produced in his life. Notice verse number 17 says it's personal. Right? He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction, but he that refuses reproof erreth. Psalms 127, 11, or excuse me, 127.1 says, Accept the Lord, the house, they labor in vain, that build it. Accept the Lord, keep the city. The watchman waketh in vain. In essence, it wasn't me that built the city, amen. It wasn't me that did it. Excuse me, that was verse number 15. I wrote down the wrong reference there. But verse number 15, it wasn't me that did it. He talks about it in verse number 15. There is the rich man's wealth is a strong city. Right, it's not me that builds my testimony, it's God that builds my testimony. And that's what, what is Solomon saying here? So in Bible days, men would literally pack up their families, all their earthly goods, march off to a vacant piece of land, and they would start a city. Edom was one of those places, Moab was a place like that, where these men left and they started their own cities. Right, and whether they were wise or not was, was determined by how well the city did. The Bible says that a wise man, the rich man himself, is a strong city. It's personal in that sense, right? Many of the Bible days would go and set out and build cities. So they were known by what they built. We'll be known by what we allow God to build in our lives. What he does for us and what we allow him to do for us is what we'll be known by. <laughs> it's personal. It was passed on, verse number 16. The labor of the righteous tendeth to life. The fruit of the wicked to sin. Right, the word tender life means encourages and promotes life. It's not just good for me, but it's good for you. It's one of the reasons why when someone comes to me for counseling or they come from asking for advice, I don't charge them. Right, I found out there's pastors that do that. Pastor, I need help with this. Well, set up a time, it'll be $25 an hour. Can I say I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist, I'm a pastor. Right, so when someone comes to me, I don't charge them for advice. Why not, preacher? Because God didn't charge me when he gave it to me. When he allowed it into my life, or he, he, he taught it to me, or used someone to teach me. It's one of the reasons why we don't charge people for sermons. Right, to go on sermon audio, listen, it's all free. I mean, it costs the church $49 a month to put it out there. But we don't charge, why? Because... That's, this isn't what I'm preaching tonight. Yes, I studied. Yes, I, I, I wrote some things down. But if you took away the word of God, I wouldn't have nothing to preach. And so all I'm giving to you is what God showed me. And God didn't say, all right, $25 an hour. And I'll give you truth out of the word of God. It's passed on, right? In essence, one of the things that ought to excite us is that we are able to take what God has given us and give it to the next person after us and the next person after them and the next person after them. A wise man is measured by what is produced in their life. Are you willing, are you allowing the Lord to build a strong city with your life? In essence, one that shows off his knowledge and his wisdom in your life. The notice number four tonight, when we're talking about walking in wisdom, verses 22 through 30, a wise man doesn't just know that he's blessed, but he knows what those blessings are. He can pinpoint them, and he's not sorry about them. Verses 20, verse, look at verse number 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. In essence, God is not a strings attached God. You ever done deals with somebody who's attached some strings to some things? Oh, I'm gonna give you a great deal on this, but just know, when I call you, you better drop everything and come help me out. Oh, I'll help you, I'll scratch your back. But when mine gets to itching, 
You better be ready to scratch it. That's not how God gives us blessings. We haven't earned the first one. Right? They're, they're giving us their extension of grace tonight. So the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. In essence, you can pursue and enjoy and invest and live off the blessings of God and never feel guilty about it in the sense, or, or never feel a, a sense of remorse. And here's the thing, when you try to do that with the world's blessings or excuse me, with the world's goods or the world's means, anytime you go out and try to do something, since it always makes you feel nasty afterwards. It always makes you feel wrong, but the blessings of God are not that way. What are some blessings that the wise man understand, or the wise man knows? Well, he understands the blessing of understanding. He knows about the blessing of understanding, verses 23 and through 24. It is a sport for a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. The fear of the wicked it shall come unto him, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. And this is not, there's no real pleasure in mischief. Right? It says the fool, and this is a sport, as if they're playing a game, pursues mischief. Right, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. The wicked are pursuing something they really don't want. They really don't want the end result of it. They really don't want it, what, 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 they really don't want what it leads to. In essence, any man in their right mind, any person in their right mind, would not say, I want to end up in hell. No man really believes that. No man really wants that. And if they say they are, they don't have a true understanding of what the Bible teaches about the reality of hell and what it's really like. But they're pursuing after something they don't even want, whereas the, 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 the wise man understands, has the blessing of understanding, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. In essence, tonight, they, they are pursuing something they don't want. The righteous want all that God will give them, right? The, the wicked are pursuing something they really don't want. But us that know the word of God, we're pursuing something we really do want. We really don't deserve. We understand that. We have the blessing of understanding. We have the blessing of a foundation. Look at verse 125. A whirlwind passes, so it is the wicked no more. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. Can I say tonight that you and I have been through some storms tonight that if I think had we not been saved, they would have wiped us out. They would have left us in a place of hopelessness. Preacher, what was the difference? We had a foundation. That foundation was Christ. And yes, the wind might have tore some things up. The storm might have brought some damage. But when it was all said and done and everything cleared up, we looked down and our feet were still planted on the rock. We were still saved by the grace of God. And a wise man understands the blessing of a foundation. The same thing that wiped out the wicked tonight strengthens those that are wise in the Lord. Notice verse number 26, we have the blessing of purpose. The blessing, as vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to them that sin. And y'all ever got smoke in your eyes? One of the worst feelings you could ever get. Worst experiences you could go through. Smoke in your eyes, vinegar in your teeth. I, I mean, every now and again, I'll drink apple cider vinegar. But you, you pull out that white distilled vinegar, you can have it. I'm not just gonna start drinking that thing. You be, <laughs> it's good to put chicken in right before you grill it. It's good to marinate things with, spray on it while it's cooking, but I wouldn't be drinking it by the cup. But notice here, we understand the blessing of purpose. He said, the, as vinegar to the teeth, as smoke to the eyes, so is a slugger to them that sin. In essence, when a, a, the Bible, a slugger, a lazy person, one who doesn't want to do what they, they're supposed to do, 
In essence, they look at the person who's sending them to do something as vinegar in their mouth and smoke in their eyes. They're irritated by them. Can I say one of the most miserable places you'll ever live in the Christian life is trying to serve God with a bitter heart and trying to act like and pretend like what he's asking you to do is the worst thing somebody could ever ask you to do? We have the blessing of purpose. We aren't bitter about serving. We're glad to. We're glad to serve the Lord. It's not smoke in my eyes. It's not vinegar in my teeth. It doesn't make me go, ah, but rather I get excited about it. I'm grateful for it. I understand the blessing of purpose. Verse 27 and 29 through 30, we see the blessing of protection. Look at verse number 27. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. You go down to verse number 29. The the way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but structures shall be the workers of iniquity. The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. In essence, I know whatever it is, if it comes into my life, God has allowed it for a purpose. He keeps a perfect watch over us in our life. Nothing that has happened to you as a Christian has taken God by surprise. I guarantee you that day in Job's life shook him to the core. His children die, right? His, uh, uh, his family dies. He loses his house, loses all his livelihood, all that kind of stuff. That probably shocked him, but it did not shock God. The same is true in our life tonight. We have the blessing of protection that if God, if it's in our life and it's something we didn't ask for, it's a trial we didn't look for, God has allowed it for a purpose because if that wouldn't be the case, he'd have, he wouldn't be in control tonight and he wouldn't be able to say, I can, I can see you through this. I, I, can, I can lead you through this, the blessing of protection. In verse number 28, we have the blessing of promise. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. The, whip, the wicked hope to achieve, but never will. I hope so. I think so. I wish. The righteous know they will receive and can't wait. We know what we're looking forward to. We know where we're headed. We know what is on the horizon. We cannot wait. We have the blessing of promise. That's why when Brother Jacob or somebody gets up and sings about heaven, it resonates with us because we understand the promise. We understand that one day, that's where we're headed to. Hey, I, I don't get up in the morning and say, well, I sure do hope I make it to heaven today. I said, well, if today's my last day, I know exactly where I'm going. And I've got Bible reasons to prove I have the blessing of promise. So let me ask, are you willing to just know that you're blessed or do you want to know exactly what those blessings are and in turn, that'll make you more blessed to know just how blessed you really are tonight. A wise man takes wisdom and applies it to his walk. Let me ask you, what are you doing with wisdom when it comes to your actions tonight?